Are you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life, here to bring you another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. I have been looking forward to this episode for quite some time, and I started hounding my guest, I don't know, a couple of months ago. Just I say hounding. We were just trying to make our schedules match. I want to introduce Pamela Hansen. Say hello, Pam. Hello. Great to be here. I'm so glad you're here with me. Thank and you. You know what? They're, they're, okay, I've got a bunch of things running through my head. I should just back up and tell people who the heck you are. Okay. I first got to know you on the sidelines of, uh, of youth soccer. That's right. Because our children were playing on the same team. And one of those guys is over here running the podcast today. So, he looks so grown up, my goodness. Well, that's been a few years. It's been a while, yeah. But, you know, I, I learned and I had heard several years ago that you had written a book. And that always catches my attention because I interview authors all the time on my show. And then I learned a little bit about the story behind your book, and I got excited about that, picked up the book, and was just really impressed with this story that you told. The book is called Running with Angels. And this has been a fairly popular book, um, maybe more than you expected it to be. Uh, yeah, it, it's done better than, than I expected it would. <laughs> That's always a pleasant surprise. Yeah. But in this book, um, okay, I'm going to take a stab at the story, all okay. right? And then you can clear up everything that I get wrong, and I want you to tell a little bit about your story as well. Okay. But this is set several years ago. Um, Right about uh, the turn of the century, right? <laughs> Boy, does that sound bad or what? 2001. Uh, I'm just reading off of the back of the book right now. On a beautiful April morning in 2001, Pamela Hansen decided to do something she hadn't done for a very long time. She decided to take a walk. Through, though fearful that she would not be able to take more than a few steps with her morbidly obese body, she was desperate to focus her attention on something other than the tragedies of her life. And that just gives a, a really brief introduction to this really, uh, what I feel is a very inspiring story. You've had some, some very difficult experiences uh, in your family, including the death of some children. Mm-hmm which is very difficult for any parent to even consider. But this is something that you have been through not only once, but a few times, right? <laughs> right. Uh-huh. Now, as, as is often the case when people have difficult experiences in life, this has a very strong impact on a number of things, on how you see yourself, on how you feel, on how you relate with people, mm -hmm. just the whole gamut. And... 
And these uh, experiences and your life circumstances put you into a position where you found yourself losing control of your life. Right. Is that a fair enough way to put it? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, uh, well, I'm not going to tell too much of the story. Why don't you pick it up from there? <laughs> okay. And just fill in some of the blanks. What was going on with you at that time? Pam, what was up? Well, to back up to even further to 1989, I had twin daughters. Mm-hmm. And um, about three weeks before they were born, we figured out that one of them had a heart defect that was a, f- a fatal heart defect, hypoplastic left heart syndrome, where the left part of the heart just does not form. Uh-huh. And so we knew that Emily wouldn't have much time when she was born. And of course, I prayed for a miracle, hoping that, and, and knowing full well that her heart could be restored if that was the the plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. So that was the miracle I was praying for, and it was not the one I received. Uh, They were born uh, on February 3rd, 1989, and Emily's heart was, uh, it was diagnosed of a primary and, or confirmed, and her her twin sister, Amy, was also very small, and she had a few problems at birth, but she was just fine. I think trying Mm -hmm. to deal with having one and losing one, Emily lived for just a day. Oh. And it was just such a roller coaster of emotions, just a joy at being able to keep Amy and having you know a wonderful husband and older son, and then losing this daughter. Uh, I just went back and forth, and and then she had to be fed every couple of hours, and so mm-hmm. I think I, I mistook the fatigue, the stress, the happiness, the grief for hunger, and it was really mm. e- easy to reach for food for comfort at that time. That was the way you kind of self-medicated. Yeah. I mean, my weight's always been a problem. It's always going to be a challenge for me. Mm. Uh, but but at that time, that's when it really started getting out of control and, and mm-hmm. was furthered mm-hmm. by a few years later. We had a, a daughter. Uh, she was diagnosed after a year and a half of going to doctor after doctor with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Oh. And all these doctors didn't know what was wrong with her. There was... She was limping, she was hurting, and uh, they couldn't figure out what was wrong. And finally, after she was diagnosed, we got her some help. And and she mm-hmm. had about 10 real tough years. Um, arthritis in children is a manageable disease, and yet it's just really a tough, a tough thing, too. And to watch them go through is really hard. So we were struggling with that, and, and uh, then we had a, another daughter who was diagnosed with a really rare disease called Olier's disease, which means mm. she's got tumors growing inside her bones. And at the time she was diagnosed, let's see, that's been about eight years. Uh, we didn't know how, how serious it would be. Mm-hmm. But as time goes mm-hmm. on, it, it seems to be a mild case. She's, she has had one surgery, and she'll have a few more, but, and, and we're not 100% sure of her future, but we're optimistic mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. it. So all, all these... Things uh, led up to that spring morning in 2001, right. where I just I felt like you know there was little control over my children's health and and, and you know it, it seems like since then I have come to know so many people have have things over which they have no control in their lives mm. and, and and not that we're we have to have absolute control over everything, but it, it's really a helpless feeling sometimes, mm-hmm. and, and so. We felt like we had our hands full with these children. And so when I became pregnant, it was a miracle. 
Uh-huh. And uh, so that kind of starts us in into the 2001 story. <laughs> so what the, and this this story is what you've tried to capture in your in your first book. We're going to talk about your second book here in a little bit too. Okay. And I just heard a little foreshadowing to that because uh, these experiences are not things that we're going through alone. Right. Sometimes right. we don't realize just how many people are having similar experiences, but it becomes such a private battle. Mm-hmm. And you get stuck just kind of within your story sometimes. As I was writing Running with Angels, and, and it, it didn't start out to be a book either, uh, I, I was pregnant with this little boy, and in the spring of 2001, uh, he was born with a um, perfectly formed little body, but just a, a still heart. Oh. So he was still born, and I, I felt like I'd really reached rock bottom at that point. And... It, it was interesting because I went outside and the, the sky didn't seem as blue and, and colors just didn't seem as vibrant. Mm. And so that's when I decided to take that walk. And it lasted about five minutes. I turned around and came home and I thought, you it's know. It's about all you could muster, I huh? don't want to do this. I just want my baby. And uh, so I just kept trying the next day and the next day to go out and go a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And uh, soon that first five-minute walk turned into 35, 40, 45-minute six-day-a-week experience, Mm. I call it, where it was just a a life-saving kind of thing where um, the walking did so much for me physically, emotionally, and uh, every every Mm -hmm. way. And I I really uh, came to understand a lot of truths. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm writing about in Running with Angels. And um, I really wanted to run a a marathon. When I was a teenager, I... uh, volunteered at the finish line of the Desert News Marathon. Oh. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was one of my dreams. And uh, after I had been walking, I decided to go to Weight Watchers. And so I, I went there. And, and after a few months, well, after after a little while, about six months or so, I'd lost about 50 pounds. And I thought, okay, mm-hmm. maybe that marathon goal is within reach. Mm. So I uh, started walking. And, and I remember... Uh, thinking, well, I've got to start running, obviously. And I went out one night when nobody could see to to see how far I could run at one time. Mm -hmm. And I went about 10 steps and had to stop. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I thought, okay, all I need to do is about 10 more million of these 10 steps. (laughs) (laughs) Stack a bunch of those up, huh? That's right. And uh, anyway, the next year, in uh, 2002, I ran the Desert News Marathon. And it was Mm -hmm. quite an experience. So after that, I decided to just write this story down to give to my children and grandchildren at some point. And, and then I realized that it was uh, the kind of story I would have loved to have read years ago. So that's when I approached the publisher, and, and uh, they were very good to okay. publish it. Pam, <laughs> you just popped off with something that seems so natural to you. You said, and so in 2002, I ran the Deseret News Marathon. Oh. <laughs> just like, you know, it was on your list that day, so oh. you went ahead and did it. This was something that seemed impossible to you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a lot of powerful things that happened to get you to that point. And you mentioned just a few of those. You know, as you started to see some improvement and you started to see some changes, you started to think, well, maybe it is possible. I did, just last week I interviewed a fellow on this show who just finished the Badwater Ultra Marathon. Oh, wow. Down in Death Valley. It's a 135-mile uh, race, 126-degree heat. Oh. 
you know? <laughs> Those Ta- are the crazy people. <laughs> yeah. Well, and anybody who listened to last week's show probably would agree with you. Um, but, you know, and I had the same discussion with him. There are things that look impossible to you that you find later on are not impossible. And right now, for you to just mention that you did that, if we were to rewind, you know, eight or nine years and just imagine yourself having a, having a radio-type interview and just kind of saying that, <laughs> you know? Isn't that amazing to you? It really is. And uh, I've, I've talked a lot about it, and perhaps that's why mm-hmm. it's, it's um, become, you know, a little... Uh, I'm not... It's I just don't part feel of your so story now. About it. Yeah, uh-huh. but, but, oh, it really did. It just took so much. And uh, it was something that I had to do on my own, even though I did have help. Mm-hmm. Um, as is losing weight and writing a book. You, mm-hmm. There are some things you just have to go through. Mm-hmm. Well, there's some powerful parts of that story that we haven't even touched yet. But I think we've done a good introduction to who you are and why you're here. We'll pick that up again right after this break. This is Kirk Weasler to tell you about morebetterbooks.com. Morebetterbooks.com is where you can find more better books for a more better life. Not only that, let me tell you about some of the very fun and cool select titles on morebetterbooks.com. You'll want to get a copy of The Dog Poop Initiative. This best-smelling book could change your life forever. It certainly changed the lives of thousands of Boeing employees as well as school teachers, parents, leaders across the United States and in Israel and in Germany. And you can get your own copy at morebetterbooks.com. Whoa, that's not all. What about The Cookie Thief? This classic tale told in a rhyming format fully illustrated with very fun hit messages. Pick up a copy now today on morebetterbooks.com. Other great titles there, Finding Your Pathway to Mastery, Beyond Illusions, Make It Great, These titles are only available on morebetterbooks.com. Go to morebetterbooks.com today and begin to have a more better life and live that life on purpose. Hi, this is Jason Adams, one of the co-founders of CashflowParadigm.com. We created Cashflow Paradigm as a way to help others look at money differently. What are your beliefs about money? Is it good or bad? Many people have beliefs that limit their control over money and don't even realize it. The thing most people don't realize is that their beliefs about money greatly affect the amount of money and prosperity they have. It's all about your paradigm. Come play a fun game with us called Cashflow 101 created by best-selling author Robert Kiyosaki. Come meet new people and check your paradigm as we learn principles that govern our personal and financial lives while having fun together. Currently, we are holding monthly game nights in Provo and St. George, Utah. Go to our website at www.cashflowparadigm.com to register for upcoming events. That's www.cashflowparadigm.com. So as we were talking during the break, Pam, I remembered a little part from Running with Angels that, that really caught my attention because you were, as I recall, 
uh, you were sitting on the sidelines or something of the marathon up in Salt Lake. This is before you were thinking that you would actually do it. Right. And something happened. Would you tell that story? Sure. I, I was up there watching my husband. He had actually run the marathon a couple of times, the, the Desert News Marathon, each time vowing never to do, to get, to do it again. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> it is a, is a really difficult one. It commemorates the pioneers coming into the Salt Lake Valley. So it comes down Emigration Canyon, and there's a part at the zoo that's about mile 19 or so. Mm-hmm. And so we, we went up and waited there for him to come down. He kind of told us what his time would be about. And so we we stood there watching the other runners come, waiting for him. And uh, this was, uh, I think, 1998, somewhere okay. around there. So it was before I started the weight loss and, and training for the marathon. So I was standing there just wishing like anything that I could uh, be running out there with them. But mm-hmm. uh, it just seemed virtually impossible at that at that point in my life. Mm-hmm. And so as we were standing there cheering, there was a little group of runners that came down, and there was um, a man that, as he was running down, turned to me, and he said, you should be out here. And I at first mm-hmm. looked around at our little group of spectators thinking, okay, this guy is so excited about running, he just wants us all to be out there with him. But then I realized that he was talking to me. Mm-hmm. And, of course, you know, it was just, total embarrassment and humiliation and I thought well maybe he's just delusional he's been running for a few hours (laughs) (laughs) no oxygen to the brain so that's right but I remembered his face I remembered his eyes and uh so anyway a few runners later Mark came down and so we cheered him on and then we got in the car to drive down to the park to the finish line Mm -hmm. and uh we were going to cheer them on on in and as we parked and went over and walked, watched the runners come in, I watched for this man, and I thought, now, let's see, could I go out there and trip him or strangle him as he comes across <laughs> the finish line <laughs> or do something? Uh-huh. But uh, I, I watched and watched, and he never came. And I thought, well, maybe that was just something in my imagination, something just telling me that I should be out there because I wanted so much to be out there. Mm. And, um, you know, I received comments along the way, different times that that were hurtful. But that was Mm. not as much hurtful, but it really was, uh, you know, knowing that I really wanted to be out there and that I should be out there. I should be out with uh, the the Mm. rest of what I considered... Um, humanity. It was kind of an interesting feeling that that I didn't feel part of of the world. I, I felt uh, just a just apart from where I wanted to be. Mm. And uh, so I, I didn't think anything of it. At, well, I did. I, I thought a lot about it. And when I finally ran that Desert News Marathon, right about that time, I, I asked my dad to come take a picture of me right at that point. And I put my arms up as hard as high as I could. They only went about halfway up at that point, but uh, I was so excited to finally be there and to finally be out there. And uh, so I love that picture, and I think that picture is in Running with I Angels. I think I remember seeing that in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that that is right where um, that man said that to me. Well, mm-hmm. a few years later, I found myself getting a running lesson from Hawk Harper over at the um, Runner's Corner here in Orem. And he owns that mm-hmm. store, and he'll he'll fit you with a pair of shoes, and then tell you, uh, give you some tips on running. And he's a great mm-hmm. guy, and he's actually a, a neighbor of mine. 
Um, and so I, you know, I, at that point I thought, you know, I, I could never have thought of myself getting a running lesson from, from Hawk Harper, you know, who's won a lot of marathons in his day. Mm-hmm. And he and his wife were just fabulous runners. His whole family mm-hmm. had won many, many awards and, and races. And, uh, one day after that marathon, I was training for the desert news or the St. George Marathon. Mm-hmm. We were talking with him just at the nearby track by our house, and he was talking to us about running marathons and telling us how many he'd done. And he said, you know, there was one year that I ran the Desert News Marathon. I came down about the mouth of the canyon and had about five more miles to run, and I thought about the donuts and the jacuzzi in my hotel room. So I took off, and I just didn't finish it. I said, you I can't believe he didn't even finish it. <laughs> and as we went home, I was thinking, you know, there is just something about about his face, his eyes that his I, I couldn't mm-hmm. put my finger on at uh-huh. that time. And then I wondered which year it was that he did that with the marathon. He didn't didn't finish. And mm-hmm. so I, I went back and asked him what year that was, and he said, Well, let's see, that was uh when so and so won it and I think that was about 1998. Anyway, it was the same year that I had been uh, there, and that man mm-hmm. had said something to mm-hmm. me. And so I said, "Do you say things to people when you run?" And he said, "Oh yeah, I do all the time." <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl, my wife, says, "Oh, don't do that, but I do." And I said, "Do you think you said to somebody you should be out here?" And he said, "Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I say that a lot because." Mm-hmm. Maybe not a lot, but I, I say that because somebody said that to me once. And uh, we figured, and and I am certain that it was he that, that, that was said him. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I still wanted to strangle him. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was a fun part of the story. Oh. And it illustrates an interesting thing to me. Because we can get so stuck in our own kind of victim story mm-hmm. in life. Sometimes it takes something like that. And when he said that to you, your first impression was to be offended mm-hmm. or to be embarrassed. Yeah. And really, he was speaking truth to you. He was. Yeah, and as much as it hurt. It's the same truth that you had been telling yourself, but for whatever reason, you were remaining stuck. Mm-hmm. Yep. You've had some powerful experiences. I like uh, th- There's one other thing I want to to hear from you about this running with angels story. And on the cover, there's a picture of a woman who's running and she's running alone, kind of. Mm-hmm. Because in the reflection in the water, there are two children following her. Right. And this is the whole, the whole theme of the running with angels title. Can you talk about that a little bit? What is that? As I was training for the marathon and trying to lose the weight and write the book uh, and and just overcome obstacles in life as everyone tries. Mm -hmm. I thought about those two children, uh, our little Emily who died just after birth and our stillborn son whom we call Eric. Mm -hmm. I thought about them and just felt them cheering me on. Felt Mm -hmm. their, um, as any parent that I've talked to has felt just that presence of their children being with them. Mm-hmm. And it's something that just doesn't ever go away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my twin daughter, Amy now is 19. And although it's been a while, there's still, there's still that yearning for 
that baby. And, and yet it, it was a, um, so it was a real spiritual journey, but I, I felt them near and I still do cheering mm-hmm. me on and trying to make it through overcoming obstacles. Mm-hmm. So there were people who were alive and visible cheering you on. But there was this team of angels right. cheering you on too. Yeah. Which gave you some of the strength that you needed to overcome the difficult challenges that come when you want to make a transformation in your life. I really believe we have earthly and heavenly angels watching out for us. And one of mm. the, the neat things I did before the first marathon was I wrote down, a marathon's 26.2 miles, so I wrote mm-hmm. down 26.2 people that had helped me get that far. And every mile I took out that list, and my husband and I, who, who ran it with me, we talked about that person or group of people, and it was a real wonderful lesson in gratitude and um, oh. realizing the people that help, the, the, our, our support system, our, our angel system that, that helps mm-hmm. us uh, get to where we want to be. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, you know, gratitude is one of the most powerful uh, principles. Well, I'll call it a principle because I think that, that there's a lot of natural laws surrounding gratitude mm-hmm. that can just break you free from things that are holding you captive. Right. I can imagine that that made it a little easier to do the next mile, too. It did. <laughs> and to look forward. And I've had a lot of people come up and say, you know, I just ran a marathon and I did that. And it was just an amazing experience. And even if we're not mm-hmm. running, physically running a marathon, I think it's important to realize uh, those that are, that are there to help us. And, and in turn, mm-hmm. whom we can help as well. Mm-hmm. That's right. Along their journey. So I would like to invite you to think about what some of the most powerful lessons are that you have learned through your experiences. And I know that you've got a number of those. I don't know that we can cover them all in this show. (laughs) What bubbles to the top of the list for you? What just pops into your head when I present that? Probably making time to rejuvenate ourselves, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and how important that is that Mm -hmm. that we just take time out to do that. It's hard. It's it's a lot harder than it. <laughs> what do you think makes it hard? Oh, just the, um, life. There are so many oh lovely interruptions and and not mm. so lovely interruptions. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm talking about children and uh, oh church callings and community service and so many things in our lives that that take up our time, mm-hmm. and uh, we just need to prioritize and see what's really important to us and and spend our time Mm -hmm. doing those things. I've been involved in a coaching program for myself called the Strategic Coach. And one of the first things that they teach is to do just that, to to find time to rejuvenate yourself. And uh, Dan Sullivan, who is the founder of this program, pointed out that the definition of the word rejuvenate means to make young again. Huh. It's got the same root as juvenile, oh, mm-hmm. for example. Okay, So rejuvenation means to make young again. Interesting. And I don't know about you, Pam. You're still pretty young. <laughs> but I, I've noticed as I get older, there's, there's some appeal to being young again, you know? 
Yes. You literally <laughs> rejuvenated yourself, though, through this transformation as you went through your weight loss and as you changed the image of yourself mm-hmm. that would be consistent yeah. with the person that you could, you could be and not the person that you were becoming through ignoring that rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. Oh, we could Great. maybe work with that. <laughs> we'll be right back. Stick with us. But this positive island boy shares a dime every time he speaks. Dino Pinder is back with another deposit to your attitude. What is this generation coming to? Well, you want to know what it's coming to? It's coming to however you bring up your children. That's the next world. That's the next generation. And I think of we failing in a lot of areas. One being, I think we as parents and uh, we borrow money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. And I think when we get to that case, we need to rearrange ourselves and get our priorities straight. If we got to work, both partners, 12, 15-hour days to keep our Mercedes and to keep our sports cars and our big Denali's, we're working way too much for things that's going to rust and fade out when our children are being the ones that are being neglected and they're the ones that need us the most. This has been Dino's Dime. For more island wisdom, visit dinosdime.wordpress.com. Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. Some of you have been asking how you can get more involved with the show. And I also appreciate those of you who have offered to support the show. Now you can do both easily by purchasing a Top Spots listing. For a very small donation to the show, your link will be posted at liveonpurposeradio.com. Just go to the website and look for the Top Spots widget on the right side panel. Click at the bottom and follow the simple instructions. You will then be at the top of the list. Thanks for your support. No, Pam, we just heard Dino's dime. <laughs> Dino's a good friend of mine who's who's doing some uh some good thinking, I think. It's it's easy for people to get caught up with some of the pressing, you know, you talked about these interruptions mm-hmm. that come and some of them are are sweet and meaningful and powerful and others are just the kind that consume your time and energy and don't return much value. <laughs> and we, right. we can get so consumed with stuff that sometimes we lose sight of the really important things. And, and to be fair, I mean, interruptions has kind of a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I, well, for instance, when Sarah w- was with her arthritis and she couldn't do much in the morning... It was really hard for me to say, honey, you know, you crawl into the bathroom and get a warm bath to, to feel better. I'm going to go out to, to mm. go for a walk. I, I just mm-hmm. couldn't do that. And, and so there are times and seasons in our lives where it'll, it'll be a lot easier to do than others. And, and I think we, particularly we as women, really beat ourselves up because we cannot be doing everything we want to be doing right then. 
there's just too much. Mm-hmm. That brings up a lot of different questions about how you prioritize and what what gets to take those top spots. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you're saying, and this is a careful balance too, because if your daughter or your son, who is not physically or just developmentally capable of fulfilling their own needs, of course it's it's going to be the parent that has to step in and do that, and that's going to be an interruption to whatever else you're doing. Right. And then the balance with what what we were talking about just before the break, with rejuvenating and with taking care of yourself. And I've, I've often uh, mentioned, and I really like the analogy of the airplane, when uh, when they're going through the safety routine and they get to the part about if we lose cabin pressure, then these oxygen masks will fall down, uh-huh, you know? Uh-huh. And if you're traveling with young children, put your own mask on first. Right. And then help the person that you're with. That's the balance. That's so important. Wow, and you're looking at these kids and you're thinking, wow, they, they need me. They I have to do this. Yeah. But if your own mask isn't on and you're soon you know, unconscious in the aisle, (laughs) you're just in the way now. And you're not able to help them. And you're not able to help them. So that's the trick. What would you advise people to do from what you've learned? How how do you do it? Oh, it's, it's really difficult. And and I'm still finding now I'm, uh, there are times when I, you know, don't get to, to go out and do, uh, you know, the, my, my full walk or my, you know, things that I want to do. But at the same time, well, for, for instance, if a few years ago I was training for a marathon and I was really excited about it. And my daughter had just turned 16 and she was going out on dates and coming home late. Mm. And I'd be finding as, you know, she was going on and on about her evening on Friday nights at, at midnight, we were standing there talking I would think, you know, I, I need to get to bed. I've got to run 12 miles in the morning. And yet listening to her, I thought, this is what I really want to be doing, is is mm-hmm. sitting here listening to about about her life, about her dreams. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I backed out of the marathon that year. And um, it, it was tough to get in, and and yet it that's what I really wanted to do. And so th- at that time, that, that's what my priorities were. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as far as saying anything to anybody, um, encouraging them, I, you know, I would have been much better off, uh, those years when Sarah was really struggling with her arthritis and, uh, and there were just di- different things in my life that I was struggling with. I would have been much better off just taking that little time out to, to rejuvenate, to go on the walk, to, um, mm-hmm. to, to do that. But, you know, it's easier said than done. Yeah. Uh, and and for some people, I, I you know I really vacillate between saying you know get out there, spend a little time on yourself, and uh, just telling people you know what you're you're doing okay. Right mm-hmm. now in your life, you've got this and this and that going on. You're just doing what you can, and and that's that's what you need to do right now. I believe, don't you believe this? That people are doing the very best they know how to do. I think for the most part, yes. For the most part. Well, there's some notable <laughs> exceptions. But for the most part, you just do the best that you know how to do. Right. And sometimes there's a risk, I think, when you say, well, take care of yourself. You know, do something for yourself. And then whoever's hearing that is saying, oh, great. There's one more thing I'm not it, doing absolutely. well. Absolutely. 
And they can right. beat themselves up. Yep. And I think we are really good at that and looking around, comparing ourselves. And that's mm-hmm. how the, the whole uh, premise for Finding the Angel Within came. Because I, you know, it was interesting because I was writing Running with Angels. I thought, am I the only one that feels this way? And mm-hmm. it was mm-hmm. it was really hard to get my story out there because I'm I'm up till then, I've been a pretty private person. But I just felt... It's a very compelled. personal story in so many ways, too. Well, and it's it's probably more than you even want to know about me in that book. But uh, it... <laughs> TMI. <laughs> yeah, my kids say that. Too much information. Right. Uh, but uh, I was floored with uh, the, the incredibly um, personal, heart-wrenching emails, uh, letters, phone calls that I received... As a response to running with angels, right, and and actually, I'm still getting from from people that read the book and go to the website and, and contact me. But I decided then that, that we really and there were so many people that said I feel the same way, and mm-hmm. I wanted my husband to read this so he could feel how I felt when we lost our baby, or when he can, doesn't think that it's really hard for me to lose weight, and and I want him mm-hmm. to know how difficult it is and and how how mm-hmm. it really feels. And mm-hmm. uh, you talked about trying to impress people we don't like, or I guess that was... The Dino's the, Dime the Dino's segment. Di- <laughs> <laughs> right. And, and I think we, we so often jump to conclusions about people and that we, uh, we want to impress people. And on the, on the other side of the coin, you know, we, we just often think about people, th- things differently than are, are just not true or not really mm-hmm. how they're, they're feeling about things. And there were a few stories in here in Finding the Angel Within that I included that were written by women that, uh, that felt that way, that felt like they just didn't measure up um, mm-hmm. and just couldn't do it. So capture this second book for us, will you? Finding the Angel Within. This is one that you just published this year. Right, just uh-huh. and it's uh, it's not really a sequel or a follow up or anything to Running with Angels, other than it extends an important idea that you've introduced with your first book, but it has to do more with with what's locked inside of people, and particularly women. I think you're focusing on women for this book, even though the principles apply to anyone. Right, right. The, the second book's a little bit more directed toward women, but but really anybody, and and I think. They're either women or people that are trying to understand women. <laughs> that sums I, up most of us. I don't think we're all that difficult to understand. But no. <laughs> You know, Vicki sometimes jokes about this. She says, you know, I'd rather be a woman than be a man and have to live with a woman. <laughs> I always thought that was kind of funny. But. Oh, well, that, that's true. My, my poor husband, he's a great sport. No, he's, he's wonderful. And uh, he's been very understanding, very accepting through the years, and that's uh, been an incredibly <coughs> supportive part of of my mm-hmm. experience. It is. I, I think there are few things in this world that match up to having a close, intimate relationship with a spouse. Right. That is just so important in in every aspect of life. That's a whole different show, I know, <laughs> but. Yeah, that's important. I appreciate you mentioning that for that reason. But well, capture this book for us a little bit. What is it? What is the message of finding the angel within? Well, a lot of it is about not listening so much to the world, the world's voices, which just scream so loud. 
but but listening to the voices uh, that that we can feel inside the the uh, spiritual voices that talk to us that um, uh, that sounded kind of weird, but just the that's okay. The, we have a weird show. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the spiritual guidance that we receive uh, it isn't quite so loud. It's a still small voice, and um, mm-hmm. so I talk a little bit about listening to that voice more than listening to the world voices. I you know we we can't go through a grocery store line without seeing those magazines and uh, all those pictures. And what we don't realize is that so many of those are, are airbrushed, are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, doctored up to make these women look, look perfect. And not only do we want to look like them, but we look around at, at others just around us and, you know, think that they have such a better life than we do. Better family life, they can cook better, they, they're children get better grades uh, so many times that we compare ourselves with other women that uh, that we really just we just should shouldn't do and again that's easier said than done well the comparison is always to to what <laughs> and there's this standard that is set by whom right you know you, you talk about the grocery store line and we've all seen those magazines that are sitting there and it's usually someone who looks a little unnatural, if you know what natural looks like, <laughs> you know? Right. How many times when you're at the local uh, rec center in the dressing room that you see people look like that? I mean, it's, <laughs> let's be real, people, you know? Yeah, thanks for that visual. But, <laughs> but there's this false standard, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Compared to what, you know? And and the, the voices that are screaming to you you're not good enough you're not perfect enough you don't look right mm-hmm. okay well uh, whose opinion is that and how much do you want to ch- you know really trust that opinion right i like what you said about this this much more subtle peaceful still small voice that says right. something very different to you right and what if we started listening to that one a little more We'd be much better off. So you've listened to both, haven't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Any difference <laughs> in the happiness you experience? <laughs> oh, boy, the, the, the peaceful. Uh, well, yeah, it's a lot more peaceful, of course, to hear that still small voice and to act on that. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got one more segment to develop this just a little bit farther <laughs> as we come back from this next break. Stick with us. If the pile of books you want to read is growing faster than the pile you have read, then Abundant Reading Systems can help you. After taking Abundant Reading Systems course, I dramatically increased my ability to expand my knowledge in a much more efficient way. My fastest test today was in the 7,000 words per minute. I highly recommend this program from what I've seen it do for other people who've been through the entire program and from what I've seen in myself today. I've teamed up with Abundant Reading Systems to offer a single-day intensive speed reading workshop that will at least double your reading speed, guaranteed. 
this belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, oh, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read. And uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. This is David Hinton, founder of Abundant Reading Systems. I want to personally invite you to join us for our next event. Visit AbundantReadingSystems.com now. Abundant Reading Systems, reading at the speed of imagination. Raising kids is one of the most challenging and rewarding experiences we can have in life. Your children didn't come with an owner's manual, so it's up to you to learn whatever will assist you in your role as a mom or a dad. Join me and my husband, Dr. Paul, for a free weekly discussion about all of the hot topics in parenting. Listen to what others are saying about these calls. By applying the things I've learned to the parental power calls, I'm finally becoming the mom I always thought I would be. I really like to use parental power as kind of like a reference book. So as I have concerns with my parenting, I like to be able to look up on the blog and then listen to whatever podcast seems closely related. I like the variety of, of topics, the variety of age groups that are addressed. I'm on the parental power calls as often as I possibly can because I know I'm going to come away with something I can apply to being a parent that very day. Let us join your parenting team through Parental Power. Just send an email to drpaul at liveonpurposeradio.com to register for the live calls. Or just check us out first through the link at drpaul.org. All of the previous calls are posted on our blog site, where you can also add your own input. Let's team up to start parenting on purpose. Pam, I don't know about you, but I'm having fun. I'm having a great time. I don't think I told you my twin sister's name is Pam. Oh. That part's not hard for me to remember. <laughs> you didn't even know I had a twin sister, did you? I didn't. How's it been growing up as a twin? You know, it was fabulous. Huh. It was really cool. Still is. Oh, good. Yeah, it's fun <laughs> to tell people that. And we don't, you know, we don't uh, hang out like we used to. Because <laughs> we've kind of both grown up and have our own our own direction in life, but uh, that was really fun. You know, you mentioned your twins, and uh, it, there's something special about having a twin. Hmm. It, it was interesting to watch Amy in her first few years of life. She was in mourning. She cried a lot. Mm. And uh, I remember finally taking her in the pediatrician saying, what, what's wrong with this poor baby? And he said, she, she's mourning her sister. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, well, we you know we build connections and relationships that uh, start very young, mm-hmm. and there's a there's a deep and a meaningful bond, and I believe that that bond is not something that's limited to the period of our mortal lives, and that's right. just one of my own beliefs uh, that I share with a lot of people in my particular religion, mm-hmm. um, of which you're also a member. Um, but, you know, I, I've, I've talked to so many people of different faiths, too, who really, really see, they get that relationships are the, are the most fundamental key of our lives. That's what it's all right. about. That's what it comes down to. And I think going through different experiences, uh, tragedy, 
enable us to to think about the whole, um, not not just this life, and mm-hmm. not just right now, but <clears throat> a lot of time in the future and and eternity, and mm-hmm. what's really important. That's the power of perspective, and it changes what you can do here and now. You know, we were talking just before our last break. We were talking about comparisons, mm-hmm. and compared to what. <laughs> When you think something in your life is hard, you're comparing it to something that's easier. That's right. You know? And if you think something in your life is easy, you're comparing it to something that's hard. (laughs) And so it's always in comparison to something. Right. And if you get mired in that, oh, my life is so hard and this, you know, I'm so awful or whatever. Okay, compared to what? (laughs) And, And just to have some responsibility for your thinking. You know, be willing to take a look at what it is that you're comparing yourself to. And that's that's dangerous, don't you think? Comparing yourself? Oh, absolutely. And I think that's one of the, the well, if not one of the biggest, the biggest problem with, with our body image and our self-worth is that we compare mm-hmm. ourselves to, you know, whatever the ideal image is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, that... I, th- I think worldly voices encourage us to treat our bodies as objects. Mm-hmm. That's true. And uh, so, you know, you can look at that object and see what how much work needs to be done to make that in harmony with what the world sees as, as ideal. Mm-hmm. And I don't think our Father in Heaven created us to be the same. We are all different, and uh, that's what makes life mm-hmm. interesting. <laughs> You know, one of my favorite quotes along those lines is that you are perfectly designed to be imperfect. Mm. Everyone is. But, you know, psychologically, there's this interesting thing that happens because your, your mind is also designed to notice imperfections. Right. So okay. if I show you a series of, of dots, for example, and one of them is missing your eye is immediately going to go to the missing dot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I do this sometimes in my office where I draw up 25 dots, or a, they think they're supposed to be 25, you know, five by five array of dots, and I leave one out on purpose. And everybody says, well, there's one dot missing. And nobody yet has said the first time, oh, there's 24 dots perfectly in place. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't notice that. Yeah. You know, psychologically, you're going to hone in on what's not perfect. Right. And uh, that's okay. That's just how we're designed. And it's too bad because, you know, as parents, we're trying our hardest to, to tell our kids, to encourage them. And, and that's a whole other topic, too. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, they remember the things that, the, the negative things, you know, go clean right. your room again. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and we remember the, the things you know, looking at at a face, you know, everything can be lovely on it except for maybe a blemish. And Mm -hmm. that's the thing that stands out. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. You know, one of the things I really liked about your second book, Finding the Angel Within, you spent some time on this whole body image thing and, and presented an idea that some people haven't really thought about, and that is just how wonderful their body is. Just how, just by nature of it being their body right. is a wonderful thing. And your body, prior to 
1989-1990 when you started to work on some things personally your body was wonderful too you didn't see it that way did you no i didn't <laughs> i didn't i didn't believe it right which is part of what kept you stuck right right don't you believe that there's a certain level of acceptance that has to happen before you can really start to make some of the improvements that you want to make absolutely you know, I heard so often, you have to love yourself to, to do any change. And I thought, I, I don't. There was a lot mm. of self-loathing over those years uh, because my body wouldn't do what I wanted it to do. I felt like mm-hmm. my spirit and my body were always working against each other. And it was finally the experience of, of losing this little stillborn baby, uh, thinking back to his, his birth and how um, his you know, it was, he came pretty quickly, but the placenta didn't. And I realized days later, after the doctor really had to work on getting the placenta and, and everything to come, I thought, you know, not only did my spirit want to hang on to this baby, but my body didn't want to let it go either. Mm-hmm. And so it felt like we were finally all working together, my spirit, and my body. And there's really an intimate connection between body, mind, and spirit. Mm-hmm. And That's that is right. one thing that I have come to understand and and to know that we just have one body in this life and how important it is to take care of it. It, it gets mm-hmm. harder as we get older. <laughs> well, and yeah, there's some truth to that. You know, there's, we get the cart before the horse sometimes too, or we get this all reversed in thinking, well, I will love myself once I make some changes or, right. or mm-hmm. if I'm able to do this, then I will feel okay about myself. Mm-hmm. And that's backwards. Because you have to achieve that acceptance first, and then you can do all kinds of wonderful things that you thought were impossible before. And that was really hard for me to do, to accept, to, to, the, to love myself. So what I did mm-hmm. was start to have compassion. I thought, you know, if, if my friend or one of my sisters were going through losing another baby, what would I do to help her? Well, I would mm-hmm. want to, to, to love her, to be there, to help her life be easier, to help her to get, feel rejuvenated. And why can't I do that for me? Mm -hmm. And I think we get a lot, a lot of times really caught up in helping other people and making sure, and and we do need to serve. That is very important uh, Mm -hmm. that that we do that. But oftentimes we don't take the time to do that for ourselves. This compassion that you're talking about, powerful concept. Why do we always get stuck in this trap of thinking that somehow we're a special case? (laughs) You know what I mean? It's a form of pride that's really destructive. Right. But like you were saying, you know, if it were your friend or your sister or your daughter or someone who's going through this, your heart would just be opened up with all kinds of compassion and service and love. Right. And yet when you're going through it, you know, we have a tendency ourselves to to be a little cruel Mm -hmm. instead of compassionate. And even though we do have loved ones around to help us and, and they're there, we still need to, to have compassion and, and, and have that love for ourselves. And that's what finally got me to change, that having that mm-hmm. compassion and thinking, you know what, I'm going to just take the time to go on a walk. I'm going to take the time to, uh, to plan the meals. And, you know, I find myself doing that now. That's, that's what I've got to do to keep on the track. And, and those little decisions that we make every day, add up to the big ones and, and changing our lives. Mm-hmm. It's true. I think that there's a lot of little things that you can do. 
I know that some of our listeners are going to be thinking, wow, that's a really inspiring story, Pam, and thanks for sharing that, and I wish that I could do something like that. (laughs) What would be your words to them? Well, a lot of people say, oh, I have absolutely no desire to run a marathon. (laughs) Right. And that's fine. But I really believe that each one of us is running some kind of marathon. And Mm -hmm. uh, to... To realize that we we do go through hard things, and we we need to step back and say, okay, what am I going to do to get through this, and and plan those steps because, like as you said at mm-hmm. the first, it's not just marathon day; it's planning, you know, going up to that training and uh, mm-hmm. and going through all those things to to ensure that you can get through. I think you have to get to a point where you've convinced yourself that it's possible, right? And that's. I think that's analogous to faith, you know, when you, when you get your own belief to the point where you can see it, you can see that it's going to happen, and you build on that, mm-hmm. and you might not be able to go right to the marathon, you know, if you're 150 pounds overweight or something, and you're thinking, you know, that's too much, but can right. you get yourself to the point where you're going to go take the walk? Right. Walk to the mailbox. Walk to the end of the driveway. Mm-hmm. And do you know? And, and during those walks, that was a great time for me to do some meditation, to listen to music, to pray. Oh, I cried. Mm. I, you know, talked to my husband and friends, just different things. But that was my time to really self rejuvenate. Mm-hmm. And and still, that's, I think mm-hmm. that's such an important part of life. And listen to, pay attention to what it is you're saying to yourself. Right. Maybe try some different messages. Uh huh. And and practice some of that compassion. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Pam, we're coming up on the end of our program. I want to make sure that people have have access to you. I'm going to put up a link on Live on Purpose Radio for both of these books so that people can just click right through and buy them, and I highly recommend them. I think that there's some great ideas. What else can people do to get connected with what you're doing? They can go to runningwithangels.com, and perhaps that's okay. the link that you'll put up there. And, yep. and there are more pictures and stories and, and things there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we do a Running with Angels Benefit 5K every year. And a lot of people, that is their first time out uh, doing something for themselves. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a wonderful experience. So it's uh, a great place to start it if, right. if that's something that you haven't done before. Mm-hmm. And, and wow. they can reach me too at Pam at runningwithangels.com. That's on the website as well. I think that's where I found you finally. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's great to be here. You know, thank you so much for joining us for for this program today. I am so impressed with what you've done with your books, with what you're doing to inspire other people to find that angel within them and to break free from whatever's holding them captive. Thank you. Thanks for having me today. Thank you. Everybody go out there and live on purpose. We'll be back next week.